This installment of the We Were Warned series comes from four excerpts of lectures given by Cardinal Henry Manning on the Antichrist. This is part one of two of that series of lectures. I will do part two in the near future. These lectures come from his book, The Pope and the Antichrist, and they give a startling account of what the Church teaches is to come. Manning was a 19th century convert from Anglicanism to the Catholic faith, having left Anglicanism when he realized that the Church of England was, like other Protestant sects, a man-made church built on the traditions of men. He is said to have had a tough relationship with Cardinal Newman and was instrumental in the conversion of Hilaire Belloc's mother to the Catholic faith prior to the birth of Hilaire, who is a patron of this channel in the spiritual sense and in the intellectual sense, and so we owe Cardinal Manning a debt of gratitude for that much at the very least. Manning would go on to be deeply influential in Hilaire Belloc's thinking. Manning was also heavily influential in the penning of Pope Leo XIII's landmark encyclical Rerum Novarum, which is often miscredited for starting the Church's Catholic social teaching tradition. With that said, part, here is part one of the excerpts of Manning's four lectures on the Antichrist. Part two will be in the near future. And on a side note, for those of you who want to hear Cardinal Newman's take on the Antichrist, I did those as a series of four videos, and they are linked in the top or in the pinned comment below. Lecture one, The Great Apostasy. We have here a prophecy of four great facts. First, of a revolt, which shall precede the second coming of our Lord. Secondly, of the manifestation of one who is called the Wicked One. Thirdly, of a hindrance which restrains his manifestation. And lastly, of the period of power and persecution of which he will be the author. First then, what is the revolt? In the original, it is called an apostasy, and in the Vulgate, decessio, or a departure. Now, a revolt implies a seditious separation from some authority, and a consequent opposition to it. Now, there are in the world but two ultimate authorities, the civil and the spiritual, and this revolt must either be a sedition or a schism. It seems to need little proof that this revolt or apostasy is a separation, not from the civil, but from the spiritual order and authority, for the sacred writers, again and again, speak of such a spiritual separation, and in one place St. Paul seems expressly to declare the meaning of his, this word. He forewarns St. Timothy that in the later days some shall depart or apostatize from the faith. And it seems evident that the same spiritual falling away is intended by the apostasy referred to in this place. The authority then from which the revolt is to take place is that of the kingdom of God on earth. In other words, the one and universal church founded by our divine Lord and spread by his apostles throughout the world. In this only one supernatural kingdom was deposited the truth and pure theism, or knowledge of God, and the true and only faith of God incarnate with the doctrines and laws of grace. This then is the authority from which the revolt is to be made, be that revolt what it may. Such being the authority against which the revolt is made, it cannot be difficult to ascertain its character. The inspired writers express describe its notes. The first is schism, as given by St. John. Quote, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist cometh. Even now there are become many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would no doubt have remained with us. See 1 John chapter 2, verses 18-19. to 19. The second note 
is the rejection of the office and presence of the Holy Ghost. St. Jude says, quote, These are they who separate themselves, sensual men, having not the Spirit. See Jude, verse 19. This necessarily involves the heretical principle of human opinion as opposed to divine faith, of the private spirit as opposed to the infallible voice of the Holy Spirit speaking through the Church of God. The third note is the denial of the Incarnation. St. John writes, quote, Every spirit which confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that dissolveth Jesus, that is, by denying the mystery of the Incarnation, either the true Godhead or the true manhood, or the unity or divinity of the person of the incarnate Son, is not of God. And this is Antichrist, of whom you have heard that he cometh, and he is now already in the world. See verse John chapter 4, verses 2 to 3. Again he says, quote, Many seducers are gone out into the world, who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a seducer and an Antichrist. See Second John uh, verse 7. These, then, are the marks by which, as the Church is to be known by her notes, the anti-Christian revolt or apostasy may be distinguished. All the heresies from the beginning are no more than the continuous development and expansion of the mystery of iniquity, which is already at work. It is evident that this movement of apostasy has accumulated its results from age to age, and that at this time it is more mature, and has a loftier stature and a greater power, and a more formal antagonism to the Church and the faith than ever before. It seems inevitable that the enmity of all nations which are separated from the Catholic unity should be concentrated upon the person who is the vicar and representative of Jesus, and upon the body which witnesses alone for the Incarnation, and for all its mysteries of truth and grace. Such is the one holy Catholic and Roman Church, and such is the Supreme Pontiff, its visible head. Such, in the words of Holy Scripture, are the two mysteries of godliness and of iniquity, all things are throwing out into light and prominence the two ultimate powers, which divide the destinies of men. The conflict is a simple antagonism of Christ and Antichrist, and the two arrays are marshalling in order, and men are choosing the principles, or events are choosing for them, and they are drifting unconsciously into currents of which they are not aware. Lecture 2. The Antichrist It is true indeed that the Antichrist has had and may still have many forerunners, as had also Christ himself, as Isaac, Moses, Joshua, David, Jeremiah were types of the one, so Antiochus, Julian, Arius, Muhammad, and many others are the types of the other. Four persons typify persons. So again, as Christ is the head and representative in which the whole mystery of godliness has been summed up and recapitulated, so also the whole mystery of impiety will find its expression and its head in the person of Antichrist. He may indeed embody a spirit and represent a system, but is not less therefore a person. Next, the Church Fathers believe that the Antichrist will be of the Hebrew race, and this will appear probable if we consider that the Antichrist will come to deceive those people, accenting to the prophecy of our Lord, quote, I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. Another will come in his own name, him you will receive. The probability of this also will appear, if we consider, further, that a false Christ will fail on the first condition of success if we, he were not of the house of David, that the Hebrews are still looking out for his coming, that they have prepared themselves for delusion by crucifying the true Messiah, and therefore it is that the fathers interpret of the true Messiah and the false the words of St. Paul to the Thessalonians, quote, 
Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved, therefore God shall send them the operation of error to believe lying. See 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 to 11. From this we perceive a third character of Antichrist, namely that he will not be simply the antagonist, but the substitute or supplanter of the true Messiah. And this is rendered still more probable by the fact that the Messiah looked for by the Hebrews has always been a temporal deliverer, the restorer of their temporal order, or, in other words, a political and military prince. It is obvious also that whosoever may hereafter deceive them in the pretended character of their Messiah must thereby deny the Incarnation, whatsoever claim to a supernatural character he may put forward for himself. In his own person, he will be a complete denial of the whole Christian faith and church. For if he be the true Messiah, the Christ of the Christians must be false. But the prophecies assigned to the person of Antichrist a more preternatural character. He is described as a worker of false miracles. His coming is said to be according to the working of Satan in all power and signs and lying wonders and all seduction of iniquity to them that perish. See Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 9 to 10. The age is ripe for a delusion. It will not believe the miracles of the saints, but will copiously drink down the phenomena of spiritualism. The last characteristic which I will speak is more difficult, perhaps, to conceive. St. Paul says of the man of sin, the son of perdition, who opposeth and is lifted up above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself as if he were God. See Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. These words are interpreted by the fathers to mean that he will claim divine honor, and that in the temple of Jerusalem, yet as Christ at his coming was believed to be the carpenter, so Antichrist may be visible no more than a successful adventurer. Even his preternatural character, true or false, may pass either as scintillations of insanity, or as the absurdities of his partisans, or the delusions of his flatterers, so the world blinds its own eyes by the fumes of its own intellectual pride." Thus ends part one. In the near future, I will have part two on the Antichrist. Let me know what you think of this in the comments below. This is something to ruminate on because people are wondering if we are now living in that time. And while I personally don't think we're quite there yet, I do think we are headed there. So let me know your thoughts on this in the comments below. And please pray for the church now more than ever. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.